Ooh, Sean from the Commander's Brew is here. I am excited. I couldn't be more excited to put this episode together. I'm revisiting the Epic Experiment deck. This started way back, episode 99, but the roots are before that because we used to do a bit where we would roast bad cards. We'd just kind of just write some roast jokes on like whatever mythics or rares in the set seemed to be not commander playable. What was this from? Return to Ravnica, Gatecrash, something like that. Epic experiment was. And we picked it because we're like, well, I mean, you know, you have to build your whole deck around it. And like, how many decks want to be all spells? And like, this was this was a long time ago. Think back to Return to Ravnica. There's been a lot of bumby spells since then that will certainly up the value of this. But also, I think we were just joking around of like, how would you brew it? And we came up with a wicked idea. I'm going to save the details for the main episode, but I think this is a very exciting one. There's been a few updates since it came out. I mean, how do you update a deck? You kind of change the ramp for better cards, that sort of thing. But there's a couple of key pieces, a couple of key gears, if you will, cogs in the machine that we've just got a bit more redundancy on. So now I think the deck gets a little bit more streamlined for the core of it. Uh, I'm also going to include a wild ramp idea that I think you can apply for other decks that have green that are multiple colors. It's a wild one. But anyway, I don't want to keep you any longer. I'd love to get to the deck tech, but first I got to do a little bit of business. I will always be thanking you for listening. Uh, if you would love to help out, patreon.com slash commandersbrew is the best way to do that. Use our TCG player link to buy cards through them. But if you're in Canada, we've got an even better deal at the Wizards Tower. I've got two ads coming up, a fake one from Darksteel Industries and a real one from the Wizard Tower. Let's hear them now. Do you have a boring name? Jazz it up with the legal title of Darksteel by buying one square centimeter of actual Darksteel Industries headquarters. Go from Robin to Darksteel Robin. Get invited to more parties and grand openings with a title. This title is not the same as ownership, you don't own anything for real, and you can't visit us ever. And now the real ad from the Wizard's Tower. WizardTower.com, your website for deck techs and other strategic articles. And if you're viewing from Canada, use coupon code BREWUNITED to get 5% off your order of singles when you spend $20 or more. Now that's a party I'd like to be a part of. Now back to the show. Okay, this is a revisiting of the Epic Experiment deck, and let me tell you, this has been a favorite of mine since it came out. We gotta start by reading Epic Experiment. It's a sorcery that costs blue-red X. And it says, exile the top X cards of your library. You may cast instants and sorceries with mana value X or less from them without getting without paying their mana costs. And then you put all the ones exiled this way that were not cast into your graveyard. Way back, this is like episode 360 something. Way back, this came out episode 99. We did a deck on this in episode 99. And prior to that, we were playing around with a bit where we would roast magic cards. We would pick kind of like a weird magic card that's like, this isn't really good. It's kind of should be better, but it's a bit awkward. We roasted this one. And then honestly, I don't remember. I mean, if I listen to the old episode, I bet you I could hear the story, but I'm not going to listen to an old episode of my own show in this detail. I, I think I don't I don't I don't feel like doing that right now. I'm a little bit afraid it's going to be very low quality. Anyway, I can see the initial hesitation. It's an X spell that just gets you a few more X spells. You have to make a big one 
to get a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, now that I talk about it, I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Why did we ever not like this card? I don't know. We were we were fairly new. We had only done approximately 90 episodes of a commander podcast at the time, and we had already brewed at that point, I think we were still doing two decks per show. So we probably brewed like 150 plus decks. And we didn't realize this. I mean, commanders come a long way, but I love this card. I always think about it, literally always think about this from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed. And I've wanted to kind of look back on it. We haven't touched on this card in a long time. I bet you there's listeners slash viewers of the Commander's Brew who do not even know my love for this card. A lot of you probably know that I love X spells, and this is no exception. This is an X spell. Notably, though, this X spell doesn't lend itself to other X spells in the deck, because when you don't pay the mana cost for a spell, and it's an X spell, the X is presumed to be zero. So you get a cat, you get credit for casting it, but you don't actually get anything. I've toyed around with a deck like this and just thinking about updating it. And then the Warhammer decks dropped and we got Megas Lucia Kane. In case you're not familiar, Megas Lucia Kane, one of the Warhammer 40k cards, legendary human Tyranid wizard. I don't know what a Tyranid is, but she looks like a regular human to me. Must be something like the way her heart works or something. I don't know. For four mana, one green, blue, red, you get a 1-1. One, one spiritual leader at the beginning of combat on your turn put a plus one plus one counter on target creature fine probably gonna put that on herself then you get psychic stimulus tap add two colorless mana when you next cast a spell with x in its mana cost or activate an ability with x in its activation cost this turn copy that spell or ability you may choose new targets for the copy i think this is so powerful and so interesting that it is worth running her as the commander in a deck that wants to cast epic experiment and that as i said does not help us cast other x spells this will be the only x spell in the deck so really she's all about casting epic experiment that's all we want to do with the deck the commander we used to use was riku of two reflections for his ability to copy spells or copy permanence and the notion was it might be worth saving two mana or just casting your epic experiment for two fewer in order to be able to copy it with Riku. You'd probably get more value out of it that way anyway. Lucia Kane just does that for free for tapping. But not only that, she also copies the spell again if you've used her ability more than once. So let me start with spells that can untap Magus Lucia Kane that cost two or less mana. You can think about it like this. If I pay two mana to cast something to untap Lucia Kane, I won't get the benefit of that extra two colorless because I will have spent it on untapping something, but I get reimbursed that mana towards the X spell. So it's a mana neutral thing if I can pay two to do this. If I can pay one to do this, I actually get a bigger X spell in addition to another copy. And for those of you who have ever played a Marwyn the Nurturer, that green elf that taps for mana equal to her power, you know that there's no shortage of green instants and or sorceries that cost one that let you untap a creature, maybe put a plus one plus one counter on it. I pulled up a scryfall search and truly burst of strength, single green mana, Instant, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature, untap it. 
Cerulean Wisps is a blue instant, costs a single blue. Target creature becomes blue until end of turn. Untap it. Also draw a card, so that's nice. I'm going to zoom through some of these while I browse Scryfall here. Claim the Firstborn doesn't work because this is not a mana 3 or less creature, so sometimes you can cast those threaten effects on your own stuff just to untap and give it haste. It would be very nice to give Lucia Kane haste here, but unfortunately that one's out. Dream Grip. Single blue instant. Choose one. Tap target permanent or untap target permanent. Emerald charm. Single green. Choose one. Untap target permanent or destroy target global enchantment or target creature loses flying till end of turn. Mobilize. Single green sorcery. Untap all your creatures. Ornamental courage. Single green instant. Untap target creature. Gains plus one plus three till end of turn. I'm only the first three rows down on scryfall here. Sorting by... What am I sorting by? Mana value. There's tons of these. If we want to generate mana, paying one is great. If we're willing to expand that to a two mana thing, that gives us more options, which include all of our creatures. I mentioned Mobilize and Vitalize, which are two single green spells that untap all creatures you control. Benefactor's Drought is a two mana instant, untaps all creatures. Dramatic Reversal, it's a blue, one and a blue instant, untap all non-land permanents you control. And I am specifically highlighting instants and or sorceries because that's what Lucia Kane is all about. You may be asking yourself, well, I mean, how many are we going to have in our hand? Like, great. If we have a bunch in our hand, that sounds good. But what if we don't have them in our hand? Here's what we're building towards. Let's say you got one in your hand. So even if you have zero, you're going to get two copies of this epic experiment. And let's assume you spend something that costs two mana so that we don't have to think about math. If our x equals 8, that requires 10 lands on the battlefield. I'm not running mana rocks in this deck because I want a sick dense of spells. I want mostly spells, and that's, that's the truth. So if x equals 8, that means I have 10 lands. If I have nothing else to do, I can tap Lucia Kane and make x equal 10 and get two copies of Epic Experiment. Excellent. If I've got a single one of these untappers in my hand... I can spend one of my x equals 8. I can kind of go into that bank. So now I can spend x equals 7 the hard way, but I get that 2 bonus. So now x equals 9, and I get 3 copies of it. Incredible. I know I haven't gotten to the part I was talking about, but here we go. Once we hit those multiple epic experiments for like 8, 9, 10, whatever, we're bound to hit a couple more of these in that stack. And if we do, We'll just use it on Lucia Kane, or it'll just untap all of our creatures. Before the next spell in our epic experiment stack resolves, we will tap Lucia Kane to take advantage and just add two colorless to our mana pool that we have to use on an X spell. Wait, do you have to use it on an X spell? Or is it only do the bonus? Huh. As I read more closely, you don't actually have to use it on X spells. You just don't get the bonus if it's not on an X spell. That's cool. So back to the plan. We're resolving a big old stack of eight, and there's three of them. And in that stack, we've got one of these untappers. So we hit Lucia Kane with it. We tap her. We've got two colorless mana in our mana pool just waiting. The stack goes by. Maybe we do it again in the second batch. Cool. Now we've got four mana and an additional two copies of the next X spell we cast. Maybe it happens again. Cool. What are we doing with all this mana, though? We already used our epic experiment. Sean. You said, I'm not running a ton of epic experiments. I'm not, telling you, I'm not running a ton of other X spells because 
they don't hit with Epic Experiment. What are we doing now? Phase two, the deck has spells that let us get stuff back from the graveyard. Regrowth is a classic example. It's a green sorcery that lets you return any card from your graveyard to your hand. Call to Mind costs a bit more. It's two and a blue for a sorcery that returns an instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. Balaged Recovery is one of those MDFCs. It's a land on the back or the front. Which one's the back? It's a land on the back, but the front is a sorcery that returns a card from your graveyard to your hand. Now, some of you might be thinking, this doesn't work great. Let me walk you through this part of it. The way the rules of magic are set up. We're going to cast our epic experiment with the physical card that is epic experiment from our hand. We're going to put it onto the stack. I usually put cards on the stack kind of off to the right, a little bit up towards the front of the playmat, kind of in a neutral area, X equals whatever. I'm going to flip that many cards over and I'm going to put all the instants and sorceries in front of the card. And I'm going to say, here's the order I want to resolve them in. Here's the first in last out kind of deal. The, the way the stack works, the one on the top resolves first. Uh, you get your order set up. And if in there, there's a call to mind or anything else that targets, you have to pick your target as you commit to the or like as you officially if you make the stack officially, like I'm officially saying this one's first, this one's next, this one's next. As you do each of these, you have to pick targets. And if you hit a call to mind that lets you return an instant or sorcery, that epic experiment is not done. So it is not in the graveyard. You do not get to target it. It's not a valid target. It's not in your graveyard. So all of these copies that you hit have to go grab something else from your graveyard. Maybe another ramp spell. Maybe another untapped spell. That's fine. And let me make it more complicated. If Lucia is going off, there's going to be copies of my... I'm going to say use X equals eight. There's going to be copies of that X epic experiment at eight and you resolve them one at a time, but the copies go on the stack after the original. So I've got my physical actual epic experiment card on the bottom batch of eight. Then there's a copy batch of eight that's about to happen that goes next. And let's say there's a third copy. There's a, that, that batch, that third batch, that second copy of eight will be the first one to resolve. Those all have copies of Epic Experiment. So as those resolve, none of them will put an actual physical Epic Experiment card into the graveyard. So all of these returns don't work on the Epic Experiment. So again, you might be saying, but Sean, we've untapped her a bunch of times. Out of these three stacks, we've untapped Lucia and retapped her three or four times. What gives? I buried the lead a little bit, but we're specifically going to go with stuff like Dryad's Revival. That's a two and a green sorcery, but it has flashback of four and a green, and you return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Mystic Retrieval, same deal. It's three and a blue up front, but the flashback is two and a red that returns target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. In both of these cases, we're happy to cast it on something small, like a little untap, like a little ramp thing. So I'm putting that back in my hand while the epic experiments are resolving. Then at the end, when the bottom one on the stack, which is the actual epic experiment card, finishes and the card's in the graveyard, I've got Lucia tapped for a bunch of colorless mana. I can flash back one of these to return the epic experiment to my hand and cast it again and get this party rolling one more time and several more copies of it. You may have questions. You may be asking, what's the, what it, did, did we do nothing in those three stacks of epic experiments? No, we did not do nothing. But I'm going to ask you to hold all questions until the end, please. 
You can submit your questions to commandersbrew at gmail.com. I check it once in a while and I will, I will, I'm happy to get back to you. I'm happy to chat about this on that. You know, it's a better way to chat about this is I will release a YouTube version of this a little bit less rambly, more graphical elements. Leave a comment there if you want to chat about it. Helps the YouTube channel. So let's put a pin on what we're actually doing within these huge stacks of things. I want to spend a second to talk about ramp and lands. We definitely want fewer lands in the deck. The less lands in the deck means the less whiffs with the epic experiment. One of the madcap experiments that led to this deck coming together in the first place are all those little single G sorceries. I think they're all sorceries for the most part that let you search up your library for a land and put it into your hand. The thought process is if we can really thin out the number of lands that the deck uses, go extra heavy on basic forests than anything else, and run all of the single G sorceries that let us look for other lands. We shouldn't have a problem consistently hitting land drops and getting the other colors online and making it happen. I found seven of them, and one of those does include Renegade Map, which is a single colorless mana artifact that comes in tapped, but you get to tap it, sacrifice it, look for a basic and put it into your hand. So that one is actually more flexible. We can cast that off of an island in our opening hand and get our forest to keep the things going. So off the top of my head, I'm assuming 37 lands just as a starting point, and I'm counting each one of these as a forest, quote unquote. So I'm just having 30 lands there. And all we need to do is hit a single green mana. I know Renegade map is a little different, but I'm just assuming we got to hit a forest. I did the math and we have a 41.2% chance to get one of those single mana cards that find a basic. And if in our sort of 30 land makeup, we include 20 forests, 20 out of 30, that means we got an 80.5% chance of getting one of those forests in our opener. I'm leaning real hard on the free mulligan in a multiplayer game the way you go back to seven the second time. And it might be worthwhile to go back to six for the third mulligan just to make sure you can get rolling. I whipped up a sort of dummy deck list that just had plain forests, islands, mountains, one command tower because I want it to come into play untapped on turn one. I do not want to play a tapped land on turn one and not cast one of these. And I know I'm only one human being and I can't try something like a billion times to get data like that. I guess that's what percentages are for, but I just wanted to walk through it. And giving yourself one free mulligan, it worked like nine times out of ten. That doesn't sound like very confident data. So, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, I suppose. But I did it a bunch. I did it more than ten times. And I roughly went until I failed until I didn't find a forest and a single mana ramp spell. Oh, I think I also included my first draw. So, I mean, that changes the math because who has the guts to go with it and go with the first draw? That's what I was just, or maybe I didn't because I'm thinking that, you know what? Okay, this is bugging me. I'm going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause recording right now and I'm going to go and do a test. I'm going to tell you how many times I can go through until I fail to start with one of those. I, I really hope it's not the first one. Not bad. I did a couple batches. Uh, the first one, I failed on the third, and I felt really bad about it. I wanted to go again. And the next one, I made it through to the 10th before I failed. And even then, 
I didn't talk about this, but I'm also running two mana ramp spells. Spells that go search up lands to put right into the battlefield are the best, but there are also spells that just put more into your hand. And the times I failed, I did have those as an option after my first mulligan. I did not mulligan to six to try out. So maybe I should have, but I didn't do that. Anyway, I think this is not a crazy strategy that should, I mean, I I think it's worth considering. A couple other notable mentions are cards like Gitaxian Probe that let us draw a card but not pay any mana. I think one of the particularly interesting two drops that look up a land is Land Grant. This is an old Mercadian Mask, two mana sorcery, one in a green. If you have no land cards in hand, you may reveal your hand instead of paying the cost, and then you search up a forest and put that card into your hand, and then you shuffle. Is that worth doing if you have no no lands in your hand but this gets you going like do you want to consider we're running very few lands so there's a possibility we don't have one i don't know just something to think about so now i'm taking it back to an epic experiment stack you might be thinking well if you've got so many single green spells and some two green you know one and a green spells that put lands into the battlefield of your hand i mean if we're going to put a land into the battlefield who cares i'll hit that off of epic experiment no problem but if you hit one of those that puts it into your hand how does that help us? Like we, in, in, a, in three stacks of eight, we might end up with like four or five additional basics in our hand that we've just put in there for no purpose. This is where cards like Thrill of Possibility or Cathartic Reunion, there's really no shortage of red spells. They tend to be red for the most part that let you discard a card to draw a bunch more cards. And since we're dealing with a stack of eight, three stacks of eight for our epic experiment, ex- for our experimental experiment, experiment our experiment well this is hard to say for our experimental epic experiment we've got three stacks of eight so maybe we'll just make sure if we get one of these discard draw effects and one of these put a basic into our hand naturally you just stack them so that you put the basic in your hand first and then you discard it to draw a few cards and it also works with something like faithless looting that's the single mana sorcery a real staple one red to draw two cards then discard two cards we can flash it back for three And I think this is a perfect time to address what some of you may be thinking, but Sean, you keep talking about flashing back your epic experiment somehow, getting it back into your hand, but didn't we tap out to cast it to begin with? We've untapped Lucia Kane a couple times, but that's just colorless mana. That's where stuff like Unexpected Windfall or Big Score come into play. More red spells that ask you to discard a card and draw a card, but they also bring with them a treasure token or two. That's more mana. Now I gotta take a second and talk about a couple of choice permanents that will be in the deck. If you know the old list, if you're familiar with the old list, you will remember that Goblin Electromancer is a permanent that is in the deck. It's a two mana Goblin Wizard, two two, red and blue. Instants and sorceries you cast cost one less to cast. I think there's Jace's Sanctum, the enchantment that does the same thing, but it lets you scry every time you cast a spell. And when we resolve a stack of epic experiments, we are actually casting all of those spells. A copy... No, I think the real one... So there's a lot of... The language in magic is very specific, and it always makes sense if you really dig deep and understand. It can be confusing sometimes, but these spells are cast. Copies are not cast, but these are not copies. But then sometimes it says copy the spell and then cast the copy, so you're still getting credit for it. Anyway... All you need to know is that Epic Experiment, when it resolves, gives you credit for casting those spells. But we're not paying the mana value, so 
Goblin Electromancer really only helps us out while we're setting up. It makes our other instants and sorceries cheaper on our way there. It might make our recursion spells cheaper if we're trying to like get it back out of the graveyard with a regrowth or something that we happen to have in our hand that we didn't resolve in the stack. But I'm cutting it. It doesn't belong. We've got better stuff. Since the last time we revisited the deck, we've got Bergy, God of Storytelling. This is the two in a red legendary creature god. 3-3. Three, three. Y'all know Bergy. Whenever you cast a spell, add a red mana. You don't lose that mana until as steps and phases end. And creatures you control can boast twice during each of your turns rather than once. Now, we resolve an epic experiment for, let's say, well, I'm talking eight. I'm not going to change the example now. If we resolve it for a stack of eight, and let's say we hit four spells out of there. I'm being generous here. We'll probably hit more than four, but we might hit less. You know, it's random. So but we've pulled some lands out of our deck by searching for them with those single green sorceries. But I'm just going to be nice and say four. I'll keep it simple. That's four extra red mana in our mana pool. If we've managed to untap Lucia Kane, we might have like four red and two colorless in the mana pool. But Sean, that's still not enough to, I mean, that's enough to flash back that one red-blue spell. I forget the name right now off the top of my head. It's enough to flash that one back and return Epic Experiment once everything's done. I can do that only with the red mana, but I'm going to need some blue here. What do we do for that? Storm Kiln Artist is another permanent that has room in the deck. Three and a red, Dwarf Shaman, 2-2. Two, two. It gets plus one plus oh for each artifact you control. I keep forgetting that exists, but it has Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, create a treasure token. We're getting credit for the casts. We're going to create treasure tokens. If we have the two of them in tandem, we're just going to generate a ton of mana while we resolve our epic experiment. In fact, if you have Storm Kiln Artist first, treasures are so versatile, I might consider casting Bergy on the back as Harnfell, Horn of Bounty, for a red legendary artifact, discard a card, exile the top two cards of your library, you may play those cards this turn. So if we've got Storm Kiln Artist first, and we've got that triple stack of eight going, you can assume we will generate half a dozen to a dozen treasures. I think I'm being conservative. I think you'll probably have 12, maybe a bit more. And among that, we will have put some basics into our hand because that's a significant portion of the deck. Now, Harnfell just lets us discard one of those basics for yet another reason. Exile the top two cards of my library and we can play them. We're digging. We're looking for things that bring spells back from the graveyard or other key spells, which I'll get to in a second. So those are some permanents I want to run. That's how I'm going to get way more mana back. So now imagine this. We've resolved the three eight. It's the, the triple eights. Along the way, we've put some lands into our hand. We've discarded them for extra draw. We put a land or two on the battlefield. We made a bunch of treasures. We put a bunch of red mana in our mana pool. We've untapped Lucia Kane a couple of times. We've put that colorless mana in our mana pool, and we're waiting to cast another X spell. So now we go digging for that epic experiment, and we do it all over again. Final phase. Here's how we win. Storm. I mean, if you know the old deck, you know, it's the same thing. It's the, it was one of the same reasons. Well, I guess it's not entirely the same. In the past, we have toyed with running extra turn cards. You can hit a couple of extra turn cards with these massive epic experiments. A lot of those cost like eight or less. Uh, but the barrier there is cost like real world dollars. So far, I think like maybe Storm Kiln Artist or Bergy might be the most expensive card. Bergy is what, seven bucks? Storm Kiln Artist is an uncommon. It's up to four bucks. That thing's going to keep going up. You get your copy now if you don't have one. It's just too good. 
every Spellslinger deck wants this as one of its handful of permanents. But yeah, since we last did the deck, there's way more cards that just generate a mass of tokens. We've always had Hunting Pack, create a 4-4 green beast creature token with Storm. Empty the Warrens is old school. It's a 4-mana sorcery, create two 1-1 red goblin creature tokens. We've got Chatterstorm that's new, create a 1-1 green squirrel creature token. They all have Storm, so if we're assuming we've cast about 12 spells plus the epic experiment, we're going to get 12... 12 or 11 of these. Hunting Pack costs 7, Empty the Warrens costs 4, but Chatterstorm only costs 2. You get what you pay for, so if our Chatterstorm only gives us 12 squirrels, that is nowhere near enough to win the game. That's why we want to loop it again. But it also costs 2, so we can get it back from the graveyard and cast it again without too much of a strain on the extra mana we're generating. Naturally, if this is our game plan, we're also going to slip in stuff like Frantic Search. That's a spell where we draw two, discard two, but we also untap three lands. Another use of extra basics in our hand. Maybe we discard something when the flashback's cost is a little bit cheaper than the front side, so it makes more sense to do it that way. But that also puts more mana available for future loops. Maybe one of the cards we run is Sprouting Vines. That's a two in a green instant that has Storm, that searches for a basic and puts it into your hand. We've got a lot of options with this. The worst case option is that we have to use it like at a regular point in the game to maybe put two basics into our hand. Again, we've got enough single G spells that we might be able to invest four mana instead of three and actually get two basics into our hand, which is not great. We can put two right into the battlefield for four, but that's the floor case for this card. If we hit this in our first stack that we resolve of our epic experiments, we're going to pull like four or five lands out of the deck, which doesn't sound like a ton, but it does improve all the epic experiments that are about to resolve underneath it. And if this shows up in the bottom one on the stack, we will have cast like 12 or 14. So now we're realistically pulling half of the basics that are left in the deck out of there. Half the lands even. We're not running many non-basics. On that note, we're not running a lot of non-basics, so do you want to run a Ruination? I'm not going to say you should, but you could. It even costs three mana. So I can imagine a world where maybe this is in our hand and we don't hit it with our Epic Experiments, but we're about to rebuy Epic Experiment and do it all over again for the big finish. It might make sense to pull this out of the graveyard or cast it from our hand to just drain the deck of lands before we go for that final attack. Maybe we buy that Chatterstorm back. Maybe we hit Empty the Worms and we make even more. You gotta keep track of that Storm count because by the time the next one resolves, it's gonna be massive. We've probably got four or five copies too if we hit all those untappers for Lucia. I'm considering Haze of Rage as well as the only non-making creatures Storm cards. I mean, you do you, but Haze of Rage is a two-mana sorcery where you can buy it back for two but it's got Storm saying creatures you control get plus one plus O oh until end of turn. Even if we only have 20 squirrels, you don't need too many copies of Haze of Rage to make each squirrel basically a lethal attacker. I'm talking minimum numbers and it still sounds like it's borderline, so this ought to do the trick. And I think for one more spot for a non-spell permanent that I don't actually intend to have is Anger. This is the four mana incarnation creature. It's a 2-2 with haste, but as long as it's in your graveyard and you control a mountain, all your creatures have haste. This is how we're going to give haste to the team primarily. 
There are simple single mana sorceries that give your whole team haste, but we do have to have those resolve after we make our masses of tokens. Burst of Speed is a single mana sorcery. All your creatures can haste until end of turn. Surge of Zeal is an instant that does the same thing, sort of. Uh, target creature and each creature that shares a color with it can haste until end of turn. We don't really get to mix and match our tokens that way, but maybe that we have enough of a certain one where that makes sense. I'm not sure. I don't know that we need the redundancy, though. I mean, there's always spreading insurrection if we don't want to play the actual big insurrection where we just take all the creatures, give them all haste and just go to town. I mean, that one, you always got to think about this. What if I hit it in my stack before I'm done? Will I need to cast again? But I mean, just taking all your opponent's creatures certainly is a way to go. But spreading insurrection is a storm spell that basically gives you control of one target creature, gives it haste. So you can kind of stack it so you can take a bunch of opponent stuff. Maybe you only target your four, four beasts. Who knows? If you really want the haste and you really want some redundancy, I would consider putting in a copy of like fervor, some sort of enchantment that gives all your stuff haste. Fires of Yavamaya, I believe, is another enchantment that's red and green that does a similar thing. And you can sack it to pump someone up, I think. Um, anyway, I'm not going too deep there because I'll let you dig deeper if you want more of that stuff. I touched on early extra turns earlier, and that's not my style. That's not what I want to do. One other way that you can definitely go with this in case you haven't thought of that is an Aetherflux Reservoir sort of build. We are actually casting these spells. We can ignore the storm. We've got a ton of single G spells, things that get a bunch of mana back. We This could only be to service that plan. It is not hard to start gaining life until we're well into the hundreds and just 50 everyone to death until we need to. Definitely doable. I would also consider something like Conqueror's Flail. This is obviously a very fragile plan. I mean, no surprise there. Something like Conqueror's Flail, attacking, attaching this to Lucia or any number of creatures you have. I don't really care about the bonus, but as long as it's equipped, your opponents can't cast spells during your turn. That's just a nice little bit of protection to make that possible. There's also a $2 fish, Tidal Barracuda, Tidal, Tidal Barracuda, 3 and a blue, 3, 4. Any player may cast spells as though they had flash, but your opponents can't cast spells during your turn. It's a wild one. I don't know. Do you want to, do you have room for an extra permanent? I'm not sure. We're talking extra permanents to save things. One of my favorites is Shore Up, actually, to protect things to, on Lucia Kane because not only does it give plus one, plus one, and untaps it, it also gives it hexproof until end of turn, which is really key. One more shout out to Vadric Astral Archmage. This is the three mana is it commander, one, two. If it's not day or night, it becomes day or night. So now you've got day night going, and instants and sorceries cost X less to cast where X is Vadric's power. And whenever day night flips, you put an extra plus one plus counter on it. This is just to touch that I remember Lucia Kane puts plus one plus one counters on other creatures. Did you remember that? Lucia Kane can make Vadric a bit bigger as we go, so we can cast future spells cheaper. I would like a little discount on my epic experiment in order to get that X higher. I would like to be able to spend the mana on the business between epic experiments. Worth considering considering i'm not 100 percent sure i let i want lean very few lands almost all spells and the one thing i haven't talked about yet is how do you get epic experiment in your hand 
it's about 20 bucks now, 20 bucks now, but mystical tutor is the easiest way to do. So it's a single blue to search for an instant or sorcery, put it on top of your library. And it's not the worst to hit during an epic experiment stack. We can find something to flash it back. Maybe we pull a regrowth. We will be putting the card on top of our library. So we get to know in advance that we will hit this in the next stack for epic experiments. So we can also plan things out that way if it hits early. Solve the equation, easy, two and a blue for a sorcery, search for an instant or sorcery, put it into your hand, much cheaper. Still 250 though. Hmm. And to be able to go a permanent route, Spell Seeker is a two and a blue human wizard. When this enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an instant or sorcery with converted mana cost two or less, put it into your hand. Well, epic experiment anywhere, but on the stack that X counts as zero. So that is a two mana value sorcery. Knowing that Epic Experiment is a is an instant or sorcery spell, we get to run something like Muddle the Mixture, which is a blue-blue instant to counter an instant or sorcery spell, but we can transmute it for one blue-blue, which means discard this and go search up something else that costs two Epic Experiment. I'm hesitant to run counter spells because this truly is a dead card if we hit it in a stack. It's not completely dead for storm count purposes because it is fair to pump up the storm count by using muddle the mixture for example to counter one of the put a land into your hand spells that cost single g i'm fine doing that i probably don't need that many basics out of the deck i mean it's up to you i do like a thinner deck another highlight is mana severance this one i think i would not include it's a one and a blue for a sorcery Search your library for any number of land cards, remove them from the game, shuffle your library afterwards. Ah, uh, maybe I'm back in. I don't know. I'm torn because if you hit this early, how many lands do you remove? How many do you leave in is sort of the better question. I don't want to take all of them out because if I hit things that search up lands, I kind of want to be able to do that to discard them to things like big score or thrill of possibilities. I suppose the one upside to taking all of the lands out besides having the purest epic experiment stacks from now on, is that I don't have to worry about searching for things, so I'm just going to cast all these single G sorceries and say fail to find and just <laughs> up my storm count without doing it. I don't know, I'm torn there. One more fun card I want to highlight. I, did I say that already? I, I still, I, I just love this deck so much and I love thinking about it. Magma Opus. It's an eight minute instant, and this is partly why I keep talking about eight sized epic experiment stacks i don't want to cast it for less than eight because of cards like magma opus it's a couple bucks it's a mythic from strixhaven deals four damage divided as you choose tap two target permanents and you create a four four blue and red elemental creature token and you draw two cards that's pretty good one of the main reasons i have it in the deck though is because you can pay two mana red and blue to discard magma opus to create a treasure token so this is another form of ramp that we have access to Actual ramp puts a treasure token on the battlefield. We can use it for any color. I would use it to cast a big epic experiment early, planning on doing more cool stuff later. And I'm fine hitting this on a big stack. I would love to do that. It's like a ramp spell plus. And this deck is like, I, I've, you can imagine this deck is getting thick already. We opened up a lot more slots because we're not running a ton of lands. We're not, and we're also not running a ton of mana rocks. We're getting most of our ramp the hard way. The hard way being the green way, which is arguably the cheaty way to some. It's a anyway, I'm not going to start that debate. I need to wrap this up. I could go on and on for a very long time. It's fragile. It's fragile AF. 
But if you do get to go off, it will be so fun for you, the player of this deck. Please be considerate of everyone else at the table, and you must come into this kind of understanding how to stack things. I like to think of storm cards that they kind of burst open, they kind of blossom into their copies when they get their turn in the stack. And when they get that turn, they're looking back in time. So you want that storm card to resolve at the end of the stack. You want all those land searchers probably to resolve at the front of the stack, resolve those first, get them out of the way. Then you probably want to resolve any of those discard draws to use those lands. Any miscellaneous draw spell, like a random draw spell that you have, maybe put that in the middle here, notably after you've searched for more lands, so you're less likely to actually draw lands with them. The tutors become interesting. I mean, it's it doesn't matter a ton where you put them. I might put them just before the storm card in the order they resolve. But it is tricky to know what you want to tutor for if you're tutoring for an instant or sorcery early. If it's Mystical Tutor and I know I'm putting it into the next epic experiment stack, sure, let me grab my big beast storm card that makes all those 4-4s. Four but if it's Solve the Equation, you can't afford to spend all day humming and hawing about what you're looking for. You know you need a few pieces, you need a bunch of creatures under a storm effect, you need something to give them haste, maybe you need that regrowth to regrow something back. And I'll close with this idea. Every card you flip over with Epic Experiment will end up in your graveyard. You'll either cast them as spells and they'll go to the graveyard that way, but if you don't end up casting them, they go to the graveyard anyway, not the bottom of your deck. If you get X into like the 15 or 20 and you copy it a few times, you will have zero deck left. If you've got enough flashback and enough ways to make extra mana, that is to say if they came out in the right order, you've either got a guaranteed victory if you can figure it out, or the experiment was a failure. But man, if that's the way you're going to lose, bring it on. Because at the end of the day, the experiment was the point. Not all experiments yield results. That's why we have experiments. This concludes the 2022 revisiting of my favorite deck I have ever imagined. Thank you for listening. Of course, gotta thank the crack team of brewers in the Discord. Chiefy, Groove Chicken, special welcome to some faces I don't see too often in there. King Maverick and Tom had a blast putting this one together. There were so many great ideas for the plus one plus one side of things as well that I just didn't have room for on the deck. There's a whole other deck here with Lucia that is just about the big plus one plus one counter on Hydracide. Maybe we do that one soon. I don't know. You keep being you. World's a better place for it. See you next time.